So you're craving some protein after a good workout. This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Do you have a favorite Parcell story that you can tell and what was it like for you to play for him? We had this big defensive lineman who will remain nameless. He had had to cut weight right before camp, so he was dehydrated. We ran a conditioning test. At the end of the conditioning test, he passed out underneath the goalpost and was convulsing. And the trainers were over putting ice towels on him and, and trying to revive him. And Parcells walks over and says, hey, when he wakes up, tell him he's cut. Jesus. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. What's cracking? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. Now, last week we had an enormous week on the original side hustle because we celebrated 200 episodes by chopping it up with UFC president Dana White. We're going to keep that milestone momentum moving. Number 201 right now. This week I'm joined by a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback, all-time great guy, Drew Bledsoe. Drew had an absolute cannon attached to his right arm. He landed in New England as the number one pick overall back in 93. And with him, the Patriots went from punchline to AFC champs and were primed for a dynasty. Along the way, he also signed the first contract in NFL history worth more than 100 mil. He finished out his playing days with stops in Buffalo and Dallas. In other words, Drew had a pretty damn good career. And his life in retirement has not been much different because he has gone on to enormous success as a winemaker with his double-back winery. So we've got a ton of diverse ground to cover today, and I'm not going to waste another second getting to the good stuff. It is episode 201 of the Jim Rome Podcast with Drew Bledsoe, and it's coming at you right now. So, Drew, it's been a moment or two since you and I have gotten caught up. So, first of all, thank you very, very much. I appreciate this opportunity. Thanks for making time to do so. How are you living, man? How's life? How's the fam? How is everything? You know, the biggest thing in our lives right now is that we just recently became empty nesters. We dropped our youngest uh, off, our daughter off at, uh, at college. And uh, so now we've been we've been kind of traveling the world, man. We've been, we've been to Europe a couple times and uh, down to Mexico. And just, uh, yeah, no, we've kind of been adjusting to having only a dog at home but other than that everything's good man. true that is so weird like it's not it is and it's not like I, I understand this right like we have two kids and one is a junior in college one is a junior in high school we're not that far away but dude like how did you guys become empty nesters and what's that been like oh you know i i i, I kind of don't know the answer to that <laughs> right question. yeah we seems like we they, they were born and it was chaos and then next thing you know they all moved out um but but it's all it's all good they're all doing well and and uh believe it or not two of two of them have jobs and uh so far though none of them have decided to come back and work at the winery which uh, i don't know how to feel about that i think they, they want to go make their own their own mark in the world but we'll see maybe we'll get them back to the winery Dude, at some point. this is really interesting right like i i get that i understand that i'm gonna ask you about the winery in a minute like you want them to find their thing you want them to find their passion you kind of want to have a place like we built a place like when you and i spoke years and years ago we were both in montana and we since have built a place in northern wisconsin and my son our son is at the university of wisconsin madison that's not why we did that but we wanted to build a place that they want to come back to right because if they don't want to come back they won't come back so the ones that have jobs what are they doing right now 
Uh, let's see. We got two, two of them in San Diego, one working in commercial real estate and the other one, uh, because he got his degree in wine business is working for an internet startup. <laughs> never, you know, nobody wow. ever used their major. And then we've got uh, uh, two in college. Our son Henry's studying abroad in Madrid currently, and then our daughter's playing basketball and lacrosse at Colorado College. Wow. So they're scattered. But you know, to your point, that's always been our Montana place. You know, you go up there and, and you got this one place uh, that you know they, they they will always come back to. And uh, so, yeah, you talk about your place in Wisconsin. Yeah, you just have to have a place that they know and love, that they have memories of, and they will always come back. That's awesome. All right. So before we talk ball, let's talk about winemaking. You've had tremendous success and a great passion there. You founded Doubleback Winery in 2007. Take me back. When and how did you first get into wine? So, you know, we got into wine like everybody else does. You know, it's like, oh, we go to dinner and you're supposed to have, you know, supposed to have some wine with dinner. And so I guess we'll just grab a wine list and pick something. And and then, uh, you know, that got a little bit more involved in that. And we, you know, we just, but we were just on the, like the, you know, drinking wine and collecting wine side for, for a while. But then I had sort of this aha moment. I was in New England, I was back in Boston and the, and the guys would come over to the house. And when they came over, it was like, I, they said, you know, they'd always ask what they could bring. It's like, I'll oh, just bring a bottle of red wine. Um, and so they would bring, you know, wine over to the house. Uh, and we'd started doing blind tastings at the house just for fun. We would put all the wines in paper bags and sip, put them on the counter and, and sip through them. Well, every time we did that, I would go grab something from Walla Walla from my hometown and I would throw it in the lineup. Uh, and every time I did that, the Walla Walla wine, when we unveiled the winner at the end, the, the Walla Walla wine would win. Right. And so all of a sudden I'm like, Holy crap, man, my, my hometown, this little town that I've that um, you know, never wanted to go back to when I was, you know, when I left the small town, all of a sudden is making some of the best wines in the world. And that was really the the moment for me where I was like, you know, maybe after this football thing is done, you know, could go back home uh, to my hometown and start a wine business, but, but start a wine business with the intent of, of trying to make truly world-class wine. Um, and so, yeah, my last year ball was 06 and we launched double back in 07. So, you know, it all, it all came quite literally and figuratively to uh, fruition pretty quick. That is a great story about how that played out. So who were the guys that were coming over? I mean, were you just taking shots and bringing different guys in? Was the guys on the offensive line, the wide receivers? Like, who was taking part back then? Well, I mean, you know, Damon Heward, who was quarterback with us back then, was part of that. Uh, a lot of linemen, you know, go back in the day, you go like Todd Rucci, Bruce Armstrong, um, uh, and then quite, you know, later uh, in, with the Patriots, at least it was like, it was a lot of the linebackers. It was you know, Vrabel and Brewski and, you know, Larry Izzo, uh, you know, some of those dudes would come over. Um, Ted Johnson, um, man, you know, I just, but it ended up being, and then, you know, obviously the linemen, they would, they would come over and they, they wouldn't bring wine. They'd just come and drink it all. <laughs> so true. The thing is, I'm like, I'm not surprised to hear that all these guys were into drinking wine, but there's so many former players that are getting into the business and they've got like a great passion for it, a great gusto for it. What's the attraction for these guys? Is there a common thread for y'all winemakers? Yeah, you know, well, first of all, as, a, as an overwhelming, over, overriding statement on all of it, the cool thing now is that the, 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 the um, people, I'll say, because it's not just guys, uh, you know, Annika has a good winery, uh, Sorenstam, um, and there are a couple of the other ladies that are, that are jumping into it. Um, but um, the thing that's cool now is that they're all serious about making good wine. You know, there was a point in time where for a lot of people, it was sort of a glorified endorsement deal. You know, where you just take somebody's third wine and put your name on it and push it out into the market. 
Um, most of the people that are getting into it now are actually trying to make serious wine. But I think there are a couple of things that appeal to athletes about getting into that business. Um, you know, number one, it's, you know, it's something you can learn about for the rest of your life. Uh, you know, as an athlete, you spend your whole life trying to continuously learn and improve, learn and improve, learn and improve. Um, and when you're done learning and improving, then it's time to, you know, it's time to shut it down. Um, but the other thing that's kind of funny about it is that it's very much like an athletic life in that it's so seasonal, you know, in athletics, you've got, you know, you got the preseason, at least football, you got, you know, your off season training, uh, then you got, you know, your uh, training camp or, you know, OTAs and all that stuff. Then you have training camp, then you have preseason, you have regular season, then hopefully playoffs. And then after that, you are off for a little while. And uh, it's it's never repetitive. It's always, uh, you know, this cyclical thing. And wine's very much like that as well. I think that's really interesting. Let me tell you about an amazing product. You know, you can access content from over 59 different countries by changing your virtual location with a single click. With NordVPN, you could be anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. If you're outside the U.S., you still have access to all U.S. streaming services. You will never miss your favorite show ever again, and it's super easy to use. Now, you might hear people say that VPNs have a rep for slowing down your internet speed. Not with NordVPN because it is the fastest VPN in the world. Plus, you don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. With NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and your privacy. With NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and your privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, so all of your devices are protected. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, so all your devices are protected. Go to nordvpn.com slash Rome or use the code Rome exclusive podcast code and get up to 73% off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Be quick because this offer is limited. That's nordvpn.com slash Rome or use the code. NordVPN.com slash Rome. All right, so if it's like seasonal and that appeals to athletes, when you go and you buy yourself a brand new 80-acre vineyard in Oregon and you start to make some Pinot, is that like going to a different team? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. It's actually, well, it's like it's like signing a new free agent, I would say, and, right. uh, and, integ and integrating that new free agent into your team. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, we, we kind of, you know, dipped our toe in that Pinot Noir, uh, pond a little bit and bought some fruit the past few years. And then we had this opportunity, uh, to, uh, quote unquote, make a great free agent signing and, uh, uh, and we, we jumped at it. So yeah, now we're going to grow that side of our portfolio. So I was going to say, I guess with that analogy, it kind of wrecks my next question. I was going to say, I'm kind of like, it's not where I live, Drew. I'm really interested in all this, but it's not where I live. I was going to say, do you have a preference? of cab over pinot or is that just kind of like apples to oranges and do you not have a preference of one free agent over another is that just kind of a dumb question like how do you approach that no 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 it's not a dumb question at all it's uh you know i i think that it's it's also a stylistic question in terms of you know what style of cabernet and what style of pinot noir 
Um, and I can get super geeky, but but I will say just as a as a as an overriding statement, you know, I like I like wines that are balanced and, and what we would like to call complete wines, whether that's Cabernet um, or you know whether that's other varietals. But in Pinot Noir, I, I felt like there was a trend for a little while where where some of these Pinots were getting so big they were they weren't even they didn't even you know look or taste like Pinot Noir anymore. They were they, it was like Syrah or something. Um, and so those are the ones that that I prefer stylistically. But we probably drink as much Pinot Noir as anything else at our house. So uh, you know, while I'm always a Cab fan, we drink a lot of Pinot. Is it a glass a night? How do you approach that? Yeah, you got to be careful, man. When it's your business, um, you can kind of justify having a glass of wine in your hand whenever you know all all day long. So you know, I, I try to I try to stay on top of uh, staying in shape. So I, we call it playing for the tie, right? You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, have that, if you're gonna have that extra glass of wine, then you got to work out a little bit harder the next day. Uh, I, I like that. Tie. All right, so what are you doing? Like in in I don't want to say retirement because you just in the next phase of your life. Like what? How are you approaching nutrition and working out and taking care of yourself? Because you know some guys like it's a lifestyle. They they're addicted. They love it. Others are gonna say I've deprived myself my entire life, man. I'm gonna get what I want and do what I want. <laughs> I'd be in between those two. Yeah, we, right. You know, we uh, we 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 eat well. My wife, you know, feeds us uh, very very well. She doesn't put the bad snacks in the house, so I can't. I, don't, I really don't have that option. Um, and then from a workout standpoint, um, you know, I just try to stay active. You know, I, I don't get on the bike a little bit. I'll do a little body weight stuff. But uh, the 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 thing that I won't do anymore is I won't just go punish myself like some guys like we like we used to have to, uh, or at least at least you were encouraged to. I don't go beat myself up when I work out. I work out to try to feel good when I'm done with it. Um, so that's the change. Movement. I got it. So, you know, Drew, it's kind of hard to imagine, right? But it's been 20 years since that violent shot from Mo Lewis back in 2001. You know, you've told the story a million times, but not only was that a career-altering hit, but that was a potentially life-threatening hit. I mean, what happened on that play? What do you remember, if anything at all? Yeah, I just I remember laying on the on the ground afterwards for a second. And then I, I know that I, you know, I got up and um, I went back into the game the next series and uh, I know uh, Mark Edwards ratted me out because um, I, you know, knew I was supposed to go right or left and, um, or I knew I was supposed to go left with this check with me play. And I didn't know what the word was. So I say, hey, Mark, how do I go left? He goes, say odd, say odd, uh, odd, odd. And then he went to the right. I was like, yeah, he's, he's not right. Um, but uh, you know, on the play, it was third down. I'd, I knew that I couldn't go out of bounds short of the third, short of the marker late in the game. I had to try to get the first down. So when I tried to start, started to turn back into the playing field, that's when I got blown up by Mo, um, who's never sent me flowers, by the way. I'm really, it's really breaks my heart. But what is that? Um, I know, man. But uh, come on, Mo. Uh, yeah, no. But then, uh, but then you know, then got in the uh, got the, got back in the game, and then they pulled me out, and that's when they, they they threw Tommy in there. And then after the game, I was trying to just go in and say, you know, a little team prayer and go home and and um ronnie o'neill our trainer is like yeah bub why don't you come with me and uh so i went in and by the time i got to the training room i was hurting pretty bad and then they threw me in the ambulance and i made it halfway to mass general before i passed out and i woke up um a few hours later with tube in my chest pulling blood out of my chest and recycling put it back in and spent uh what i don't know what uh, three or four days in the hospital it was it was pretty gnarly deal um, but you know, survived it and survived it and, 
and uh, all is good now. And I'm, I'm healthier than most of my other uh, almost 50 year old buddies who never got their ass kicked on the field. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Like, it's not funny. I don't know. I'm chuckling, but it's not funny at all. Like, it, for instance, they, they weren't going to let you go home. But what if somehow, some way you had gone home and you weren't with the meds or the medics? What would have happened? Oh, I would have been dead for sure. They, they uh, by the time, by the time they uh, got me to the hospital, they took two liters of blood out of my chest cavity, and I was bleeding out at a liter an hour. Um, so, you know, would have would have bled to death internally. Um, so, you know, I was glad they uh, glad they didn't let me go home. Yeah, yeah, right. So in the meantime, you could have died, but in the meantime, you were back on the field. Like I understand that the, it's a different world and the culture is different and there's a protocol. But like, what what was the mindset back then? It's kind of hard to imagine because you and I are contemporaries. But that was 20 years ago. What what put you back on the field? How did you get back on the field? And what was the mindset that put you back on the field when you obviously you didn't know you were bleeding internally, but you got back on the field? Yeah, you know, it's just what she did, you know, and they didn't have, um, they didn't, like, the concussion protocol was kind of like to look at you and say, hey, do you know what your name is? Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, matter of fact, there was one time we were at Giant Stadium, and, and I remember I got whacked, and they came out, and they asked me, they were like, hey, do you know, you know where you are? And I looked up, and it said Giant Stadium, so I said, well, it's Giant Stadium. Wow. And they go, and they go do you know, you know what day it is? I go, oh, it's probably Sunday. And uh, like, all right, he's good. Put him back in there. So you know, it was it was just it was just a different time, and it, and and that's what you did. You know, you just didn't come out of games, um, and uh, you know, so that was that was the deal. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was a different time, different age. I remember hearing Bruce Smith talk a little while ago. They asked him how many sacks he would have if he played now, and he said, uh, he goes, well, I probably would have more because they throw the ball a lot more. But if you went back and looked at uh, my sacks, well over half of them would have been penalties and fines today. And uh, and I just said, amen. Half of those were on me, Bruce. That's BS, dude. <laughs> That's so great. Man, he, he had a knack. It's the holidays and you deserve a gift, obviously. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you are at work. What am I talking about? Of course I'm talking about the gift of an X chair. I love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I have ever used. And honestly, it is probably the coolest looking piece of furniture that I own. In fact, it is. Not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair. And it can either cool or warm your back. Let me ask you this. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here's X-Chair's holiday gift for you. Save $100 off your X-Chair. Just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X chair R-O-M-E.com. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save. That's xchairrome.com. Boy, he had a knack. He was something else. Like, when you think back on your career, if, if half of his sacks were on you, who were one or two of the other really fierce guys that you were like, man, I really trust the guys up front, but damn, these guys just have a way of finding me every single time we play. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, there were there were a lot of special guys. You know, Bruce obviously was one of those. Now, I had a, a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame that was blocking him, the other Bruce, Bruce Armstrong. You bet. Uh, and they, they had some battles back in the day. Uh, but the, the one guy that, that comes to mind right away that is, is Warren Sapp, and he was an you know, internal guy. He was deep to tackle, not an end. But, man, when he was with the Bucks, and they had to play against him again when he was with the Raiders, and, uh, you know, you look at that guy, just kind of looks like a big old fat guy. But, man, his quickness and his ability to beat a guard and be in the backfield right away was just a pain in the ass. Dude, I think that's amazing what you just said. It's so true about that guy. Like, guys who know, know. Like, what was it about Sap? Like, I agree with you. You look at him, and you never want to visually indict somebody because he looks like, quote, another fat guy. Was it, I mean, was it like crazy athleticism? Was it technique? Was it want to? What made that guy Warren Sap? You know, it was, um, first of all, he had his career had, had, and I don't want to know, I haven't seen him in a little while, but, uh, but I'm going to say he had spectacular short area quickness uh, for a guy his size. And then he also, he just played with great leverage and great technique, you know? So, I mean, you know, you look at Aaron Donald now, who obviously is put together quite differently, uh, but he's not a big, tall guy you know, and neither was Warren. So that makes it harder to get hands on him. And then when you combine that with quickness and, and uh, great technique, uh, and they just become really, really hard to block, no matter how strong and, and talented the guard is that's trying to block. And when you have a guy that can play with that kind of leverage and that kind of quickness, man, you have a hard time getting by him. Man, that is the truth. That leverage is incredible. And th those guys are low to the ground, too, and they make those plays. So, Drew, like, you you, ha you suffer that injury. Now, incredibly, that year, I mean, Brady gets the opportunity, he gets the job, but incredibly, he went down the AFC Championship game. You come in and you help lead them to a win in that game, and then you get the Super Bowl, but Brady plays in the Super Bowl. You've covered this before, but, like, I, when you think back on that, that ring, I mean, obviously you had a lot to do with that ring, although it didn't play out the way you would want it. What's the ring represent to you now? And then what was it like then? Well, you know, I, I didn't wear that until prob. I didn't wear that ring as, other than like when we first got him, maybe uh, I didn't wear that ring, um, you know, a single time until probably, I don't know, four or five years after I was retired. Hmm. Uh, because while it, while it, you know, represented something positive, it also just on an emotional level also would just, it was just the very, that year was the very definition of bittersweet, you know, where so incredibly happy for my team and for my teammates and all the guys I love to win a championship. But man, I was just over on the sidelines watching. And um, uh, it was nice that Tommy to sprain his ankle in the AFC championship game. And, <laughs> and let me, let me get in there. Let me get in there for a second. But um but no, now it's something that I, that's that's on uh, that's on you know display in my office. Uh, and, you know those things are not very comfortable. They're just not comfortable to wear. They're too damn big. But I do have a funny story for you. We we so we, uh, we we just we just took um, you know some jewelry to this you know place to have them all, have them all cleaned up and appraised and all of that stuff. And, and uh, they called me, and turns out my Super Bowl ring is. Uh, missing one of the small diamonds so all of a sudden now I, i'm like in ace ventura uh, <laughs> if they ever have to go solve the crime dude that's not somebody, funny that's not if, funny if at they, all if they punch if i if i punch somebody with my ring on they're going to be able to figure out who it was because uh mine's missing a little small diamond so i'm gonna have to get it replaced to cover up the evidence what, what's up with that like have they not found that diamond yet 
They haven't found it yet. They haven't found it yet. They're going to have to go look in the dolphin pool or whatever. Dude, I, I don't, I don't want to know. Yeah, I was going to say, don't. Yeah, the dolphin pool. Don't Don't tell me what the the value is, but what's that? how does that appraise? What's that do to the value of the ring? No, I, I honestly have no idea. I don't even know what those things are worth, Jim. I really don't. But but I guess I, I haven't even seen it yet. It's one of the little tiny ones. So it's it's it was not it was not uh, it was not one of the big ones. So all yeah. right, I got. But that. I just thought I just thought it was kind of funny because you know it they is. told me like what is this like? Am I being punked? Is this like an Ace Ventura type deal? Or what, what, the, what the hell's going on? So no matter what, I try to get a workout in essentially every single day. However, my workouts just got much better because I found better workout gear. I found better workout products. I found 10,000. 10,000 makes the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts that I've ever worn. Lately, I've been wearing their 7-inch interval short with the liner and their versatile shirt both. The interval short is the most popular and most versatile style. It's perfect for gym days, spinning, short runs, hit, and backyard workouts. Meanwhile, the versatile shirt is the perfect, perfect workout shirt. Lightweight, breathable, and durable. And then on top of that, in addition to the interval short, they make gear specific to other types of training, from running to Olympic lifting to boxing, so you can find a short for all the different ways you train. A team of over 200 athletes test their gear to ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit. So you can pick the short that is best for your training and then personalize it with custom liner and inseam options. Plus, they have over 10,000, 10,000 five-star reviews and free shipping and free returns plus a lifetime guarantee. I'm telling you, it's an amazing product. And right now, 10,000 is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to 10,000.cc, enter the code Rome, and get 15% off your purchase. Once again, 10,000.cc and enter the code Rome. I love the product. I wear the product, and you will too. 10,000.cc, code name Rome. No, I got it, man. Well, you shouldn't be uh, swimming with the dolphins with your Super Bowl ring on when you go to Cabo, <laughs> but that'll happen. You know, so right. I, I can appreciate that. Though. So you finally, you get that thing, and you, it took a little bit of time, but you get it. Fact of the matter is, though, on a serious note, Drew, like Tom Brady's made the point that he loves you. You were so supportive to him. It's not easy. Let's not forget, dude, you were the number one pick overall. You would sign that major contract. You would put in all that time. It couldn't have been easy. How were you able to maintain such a good attitude? Oh, and by the way, you got healthy and didn't get your job back something that you were supposed to have happen back in the day how did you continue to support him and maintain that good attitude when it could not have been easy well tom's always been a great dude so start there you know i mean he, he, he you know and i um you know he he the year before he was on practice squad and he was over at the house i don't know probably five or six times for dinner and we you know just always really liked the kid he was always working really really hard and, and uh you know, I figured he was going to be around the league for a long time. Honestly, I just, you know, nobody except for him maybe would have envisioned, you know, where it's gone. Um, but no, I always liked him, respected him. He always worked his, worked his butt off and, and, uh, you know, that part made it easier. If he was a jerk, uh, that would have been a much harder situation, honestly. Uh, but he would never was, he was always, always a great dude, but he, uh, you know, and then, you know, for me, it was just, it's just pretty simple. You know, when you play football, it's the ultimate team game and uh, whatever your role happens to be that day, that's what you do. And you do it as, as, as well as you can. And if you do that, you have a chance to be a good team. If you, if you have a bunch of guys that are looking out for themselves, um, man, um, 
you know, you're not going to be, you, you know, you're never going to be successful. And that's, you know, and that applies to so many things in life, right? You know, you look at, you look at how, uh, you know, how you go through, uh, go through life, you uh, do the right thing over and over again, treat people well, um, and uh, try to, you know, live life the right way. Um, at least, you know, at least when you brush your teeth in the morning, you can be proud of the guy you're looking at. Um, and that's really what it came down to in that situation, you know. Because think, there's a right way and a wrong way to handle things. I think you nailed that. I think you nailed that. Like when you look at that guy right now, just I'm mean, just curious when he is still doing what he's doing and still paying the price that he's paying. I mean, you tell me, Drew. You know him much much better. Like, would he argue that he's not paying a price? Would he argue that he loves doing this? I, I just I can't believe that this guy could be that dedicated, that locked in, that focused, deny that much gratification for that period of time, and keep doing it at this age. Like, if you had to guess, what's driving him right now? Love of process, love of the game, or something else? I think he just needs a hobby. I mean, yeah, right. I, I think, it, but that is his hobby, though, right? I know it is. No, you know, he, he loves it. That's what he loves doing. And he's, you know, he's on record saying that he loves to play football more than anything else. And the thing he loves second most is preparing to play football. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it's, um, uh, so yeah, and he's obviously still playing at, at a high level. But, but I will tell you, though, that, that you know, one of the differences, you know, um, and, and this is going to allow quarterbacks to choose to play longer. Um, is that they can't hit them anymore, you know, and, uh, you know, the wear and tear that, um, you know, that used to be part of the game as a quarterback is really not that much a part of the game anymore. So you're going to be able to see these marquee quarterbacks go a lot longer if they choose to. Um, and, um, you know, for Tom, obviously, he's, you know, takes care of himself extremely well, but, you know, this is not like he's Clay Matthews, you know, the old or Clay Matthews senior who played 20 years as NFL linebacker. Um, that's a little bit different. And I still don't understand how a guy like, like played linebacker in the NFL for 20 years. Um, it's not quite the same thing in terms of the wear and tear on your body. I think this is a great point. All right, really quickly before you go, if you were a betting man and I were to say to you, who do you think has a better shot to win a ring this year, Brady or Belichick, who are you taking? Man, uh, you know, I, I, you know, obviously at the start of the season, everybody would have said Tampa for sure. Um, you know, returning what all 22 starters from a Super Bowl team a year ago. Um, and the Patriots had not been very successful and they were going to start a rookie quarterback. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, the, the Patriots are right in that mix. And I, I, I was back there a week ago and, you know, watched them live and in person. That defense is just absolutely smothering. Um, there's no place to go with the football, uh, in the passing game, you know, they're obviously, they're shutting down the run as well. I mean, their defense is just really, really smothering people. And when you're in a situation where you can win a game and you only throw the ball three times, uh, man, you've got something special going. So I'm not sure how to handicap that Jim. I'm really, really not, uh, you know, they're both obviously going to be in the playoffs unless something crazy happens. Um, and, uh, but it'd be, you know, obviously it'd be pretty, uh, pretty good television if they ended up playing each other in the Super Bowl. The absolute best. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 14, totals for College Football Week 15, or both, WinBet has you covered. Looking for other sports, WinBet has those too. 
It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Drew, as you know, they can run it. They can run it really well. I know that you had a couple of moments with Mac Jones. I'm curious, when you look at him, do you see a guy who like could be a steady starting NFL quarterback, or do you see something special in him? And does he have like high upside? Could he be a franchise quarterback? You know, I think he's I think he's in a great spot. You know, he's a really good decision maker. Um, you know, he asked they they asked they put a lot on him uh, in terms of uh, you know ma- ma- managing formations and motions and shifts and all that stuff early on and then the biggest thing that he's got going right now is that he does the most important thing uh that you can do as a quarterback which he he doesn't make mistakes right now it's you know he's not going to have the same never going to have the same flash as a mahomes or a josh allen or you know lamar jackson or kyler murray or you know he's not going to have the same flash as those guys um you know in terms of you know big arm or run around but uh, man, if he if he continues to play within himself like he is, and he's hyper accurate like he is, um, you know he's always going to give him a chance to win games. So I think I think he's a guy you're going to he's going to be a, a good a good starting franchise quarterback for uh, for many years. Um, but he's also in an ideal spot uh, as a rookie where he does not have to carry the load. He just has to be able to make sure he manages things well. And uh, doesn't make the big mistake. I get that. So really quickly, Drew, you had a really nice career, a really interesting career. Like, say what you want about Belichick. And yeah, he's the GOAT. It's all true. But I've never seen personally a more compelling or more fascinating head coach for my money than Bill Parcells. And you spent some time with him. And like, I work with Phil Sims on the NFL Today on CBS seven or eight times a year. And I never get tired of Sims telling Parcells stories. Do you have a favorite Parcells story that you can tell? And what was it like for you to play for him? Oh man, I don't. I don't think anybody would tell you they enjoyed it. Right. Um, yeah, I get that. Know, but you know, but uh, yeah, I remember uh, my. Uh, I think it was my rookie year. You know, kind of wide-eyed rookie, and we had our conditioning test at the start of the year, and we had this big defensive lineman who will remain nameless, um, and he had uh, had to cut weight right before camp to try to make weight, so he was dehydrated. We ran the conditioning test. Uh, at the end of the conditioning test, he passed out underneath the goalpost and was convulsing. Uh, and the trainers were, were you know, putting ice towels on him and, and trying to revive him. And Parcells walks over and says, hey, when he wakes up, tell him he's cut. Jesus. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. So we're, this is a different kind of world. This is a little more ruthless. Um, but, yeah. That's, uh, that's not yeah. cool. That's not a good story. <laughs> that's not a good – that's not a hey, great story, Drew. Yeah, yeah no, 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 no I, I get it. No, I, I, I get your point. I get your point. Point, my friend. Point taken. Point yeah, taken. Yeah. Last thought, and thank you. You you got to experience though the Bills Mafia. Now there may not be any experience in the league quite like Buffalo. I love the Bills. I love that town. I love what they're about. What was it like to play in Buffalo and the Bills Mafia? I know that at that time they were not great, but you played well. What was the experience like? You know the. the uh, 
I think, you know, most people that you talk to, I mean, going all the way back to Jim Kelly and before, you know, we, you know, you, you think going to Buffalo, you think one thing and then you get there and discover it's a totally different thing, man. We loved playing there. And I think most, most every player that goes there loves playing there. Uh, but you know, it, it's like playing pro ball in a college town, Jim is really what it's like. You know, it's just kind of a college environment, but it, as a, as a professional team, but my favorite story on that Friday, I remember uh, coming in, but it was the, the Wednesday, um, the Wednesday before our first home game. And I came in early and was walking in and I asked the equipment guys, I said, Hey, what's going on? Is there an RV show or what, what, what's going on out here? And they, <laughs> and they said, no, those people are tailgating. They get there on Tuesday, they get there on Tuesday to tailgate for a Sunday game, which was just awesome. That is incredible. <laughs> is there an RV show or something going on? It's Tuesday. All right, Drew. So leave me with this thought. Like, again, not to be naive, but if people are listening and they've got an interest in wine and they want to get started, can they find your wine in retail? Can they get it online? Where would they go? And what kind of recommendation and advice do you have for them if they want to start? Yeah, mostly just, just online is where I recommend. It shows up in some stores, but not very often. And you can find us at doubleback.com or bledsofamilywinery.com. Uh, you know, you can start at the top with Doubleback, but we also have some, you know, some uh, some more entry level stuff uh, on the Bledsoe Family Winery side. But everything, you know, across the board, um, you know, we'll put our quality stamp on it. And uh, uh, and then if you want to go, if you're if you're new and you're just trying to figure out what's going on in the world of wine, if you go to your wine store, just look for something from Walla Walla or from Washington State. You're generally going to get. Uh, better bang for your buck if you come up north. Obviously, there's some great wines in California, but you're going to pay a lot more for them to get the same quality level. I love it. Drew, listen, so great to get caught up. We should have done this sooner. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the conversation. That was an absolute blast. Thank you so much, and great to get caught up, Drew. Right on, Jim. Great to talk to you. Best to you and your family, bud. You know, it's not every single day you get to hear insight on the Brady v. Belichick debate and Oregon winemaking in the same conversation. But then again, it's not every single day you get to hear from somebody with the kind of perspective and life experience that Drew Bledsoe brings to it, which is exactly why the original side hustle exists in the first place to bring you extended raw and unfiltered conversations that you will not hear and cannot get anyplace else. And we have another one dropping next week. So if you enjoyed today's chat with Drew or any of the other 200 episodes prior to, go ahead and subscribe for future eps if you have not done so already. This way you never have to worry about tracking one down. They will find you instead. So take a second and smash that subscribe button if you would. In the meantime, I will leave you with your coveted voicemail. First new message. What's up, man? Spank, it's Brady. So over the bye week, Daniel Jones and Mike Glenn were hanging out, went out to a bar, had a few drinks, got a little carried away, and before the night was over, Glennon is lying passed out on the floor. So Jones gets up, starts to head toward the door, and the bartender yells after him, yo, you just going to leave your friend lying there? And Jones turns around and says, my friend's not a lion. He's a giraffe. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Romy, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. I'm telling you one thing, man, that game was absolutely brutal to watch as a Bills fan. The run defense is pathetic. The play calling on offense is even worse. This team, you know, went from a literal Super Bowl contender to a team that's probably not even going to make the playoffs right now. I, I cannot believe what I've watched over the last several weeks. They've beaten absolutely nobody besides Kansas City this whole year. Indy gave a blueprint to the rest of the NFL how to beat this team. Just run it right at them. 
play smash mouth physical football. Our linebackers over pursued all night. It was pathetic to watch. I mean, the defensive line was shoved around again. McDermott was out coached by Belichick. If Josh Allen doesn't light the world on fire, we don't win. It's that simple. Out. Message saved. Next message. Jim, Rob Verino. Had another dream with you in it. I was at your house, and your house was on a mesa, like with this huge view. And the sun was shining on you, and, and you were glistening, like total muscle tone and stuff, like a Dudonis. I was like, damn, that's inspiring. And then we went into your house, and it turns out you broadcasted from your house. And there were like some inner circle clones there. There was plaques on the wall, like a, like a wall of fame of all the famous clones. And, and I had a plaque. You know, so in that world, I have a plaque. In this world, there's no way I would ever have one because I don't have the game. But pretty fucking awesome to have it in one world. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne. I'm hanging out with your boy, James 4-1 Kelly, this weekend. He's got a little message for all you clones that don't believe in his system. Hey, James, what do you got to say to these guys? Tell me how my ass tastes. Message deleted. Next message. Pan Smack, Brendan and the Natty. I just want to tell you, Mr. Big Head is incredible, and he deserves an incredible amount of praise. Out. Message saved. Next message. What up, bro? It's Casey, New Hampshire. How's it hanging, man? Yo, dude, I've got some grievances. Dan Wessel was talking on your show the other day about all the five-star recruits going to the same few schools and how only those few schools have a chance at the Natty. Here's my solution. Just let those dudes go to the NFL. Why do they have to be three years out of high school? It's not like you get better with age when you play football. I'm flaming them out. Message saved. Next message. All right, Jim. Back to my grievances. It's Casey, New Hampshire again. I'm sick of people talking about NBA rebounds like it's some important statistic. Little Alvy could grab 10 boards a game in the NBA right now. Teams don't go for offensive rebounds. They shoot a shot with seven seconds or less, and then they get back on D to prevent a fast break. Coaches don't want them going for the ball. It's not like you have Charles Oakley and Horace Grant battling for the ball. It just goes to whoever's standing under the basket. There's absolutely no skill involved. Have a good day. Message saved. Next message. Jim, it's Casey New Hampshire. Get him in one more thing I forgot to add. Another one of my grievances, the low scoring in golf. They have like 10 guys shooting 15, 20 under. Everybody's just trying to make 10-foot birdie putts all day long. It's boring. They've let golf clubs get out of hand. They should have more restrictions on clubs so that these players aren't shooting 5 to 10 under every round. So I don't want to hear people telling me, oh, they're just more athletic. Oh, they're bigger, stronger. Look at Bryson and Brooks. Uh, they're huge. Those dudes aren't that big. They're not even that strong. You can go into Planet Fitness, and there's like 10 dudes, including myself, that can outlift those guys. They're just kind of fat. Brooks has a beer gut. All right. That's all I've got, Jim. Message saved. Next message. Jim, it's Case New Hampshire. My last grievance is some of your callers. I'm just, I've been listening for years, and I'm just getting really tired of the fake tough guy act from losers like Rick, Cal in Vegas, that Jeff in Richmond guy, and I don't know, it just happens all the time. They come in, they're like, oh, I'm king of the jungle, bow down, here I come, the crack schools. It's just ridiculous, and it's 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 more tired than Caleb in Green Bay after a night without his sleep apnea machine. All right, that's all I've got, Rome. Later, dude. And I'll, I'm going to go back to the emails now. 
Message deleted. You have no more messages.